The Raging Cajuns have a good old quarterback battle. It's Locked On Sunbelt. You are Locked On Sunbelt, your daily podcast on the Sunbelt Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Dave Schultz back with another edition of Lockdown Sunbelt, your team every day. We will bring in Raging Reviews, Josh Jagno, uh, talking about the quarterback battle for the Raging Cajuns. Kind of by default, one is out, one is banged up, and they're down to uh, what someone is now a freshman, maybe Richard Freshman, Zeon Chris. Uh, it will be in his second year with the Cajuns, uh, and he is getting a lot of the snaps. So we will talk with Josh about that. We'll also talk to Josh about obviously the Cajuns taking on uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, although most of the show is on Cajuns football. Spring practice started a week ago. Uh, we'll talk about the quarterback battle and what the expectations were last year in Mike Desimo's first season as coach and what are the expectations coming up for 2023. All right, again, by the way, special thanks to everybody who is, uh, you know, subscribing and watching it on YouTube, the few comments we are getting, it is growing. The podcast is growing and it really means a lot and it's fun to watch the numbers grow. So I do appreciate everybody who has been tuning in. All right, let's uh, bring in Josh Jagno from Rage and Review to talk about the quarterback battle for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. I am your host, Dave Schultz. I am honored and privileged to have our next guest, Josh uh, Jagno, uh, to hop on uh, from Raging Review in Lafayette. Uh, this is going to be, well, we'll talk a little basketball at the end, but I did want to get his take uh, with the Raging Cajun spring ball about a week in, and they have a, I don't know about an unusual spring uh, quarterback competition, but they definitely have one, mostly due to injury. Uh, Josh, thanks very much for hopping on, and how are you? I'm well. Uh, the pleasure's mine, by the way. Having the Schultz cast back in Lafayette, Louisiana is always a great thing. Uh, right. But no, I was I was thrilled to to be uh, invited on, and of course, I speak for the guys at Raging Review when we say big fans over here. We we pay attention to uh, Locked On all the time. Dave, you do a great job. So thanks for having us back. Appreciate it, Josh. All right, so where are we? Because it kind of feels like uh, if Ben Woolridge was healthy, he would be the incumbent starting quarterback. But for those who don't know, and I'm sure most Cajuns fans do, but maybe some outside of uh, Lafayette and Acadiana don't, uh, he tore his knee in practice, got rolled up on, and, I mean, that's going to be a year or, you know, maybe a little bit less, but he is going to be out for the foreseeable future, probably not starting the season. Now, now, the funny Chandler thing about Fields that got, was, the well, funny tell, thing about that was, that. we'll start that. Tell us about well, Ben Waldridge. It was such a secreted practice that our own beat writer missed it for about a week. Huh. So it, it, it was one of those things where it was unexpected. We were preparing for a football game. Everybody thought Ben Woolridge is your starting quarterback. Next thing you know, you know, Chandler is still sort of banged up and he's inserted into the uh, starting role. And Zeon's your number two true freshman quarterback who, Obviously, it's it's pretty well widely accepted here that he's the future. Uh, but however, he's nowhere near ready to take the reins. So it was quite the uh, the situation here last year when Ben, you know, like you said, tore up his knee and had that ACL, which again, there's no way he's going to do team activities for at least eight months, 10 months. So right. it's quite the conundrum. So did he get banged up the week after the Troy game? Because that's kind of when... It went downhill. They were going to beat Troy. They were going to do South Alabama a solid, and then 
The Cajuns blew a 17-0 lead basically after Ben Woldridge dove into the end zone and banged up his shoulder. Yeah, that was a little bit separate, but yes, it happened the week after that. No, Again, okay. nobody knew anything about it. Mm. Uh, the shoulder thing, uh, that was a lot less severe than people thought at the time. Uh, he ended up being okay about that, but the knee was out of the blue. Uh, and like I said, it was not even widely covered for up until the game. I mean, it was announced at the beginning of the football game that he wouldn't be the starter. It mm. was uh, bizarre around here. You know how the media kind of does things around here. It's a little bit more tight-lipped. Uh, but that was surprising to fans. All right, so then Chandler Fields takes over, playing pretty well in the Independence Bowl, and that game sort of slips away. Chandler actually, you know, and as you know, there was a little bit of people were upset about the two-quarterback situation, and they have their right to say that. Everybody, everybody has the saying, if you have two, you have none. Understandable. You can actually make the argument now that you see how the, the season ended, that the fact that Mike played Chandler and Ben at the same time throughout the course of the season helped us to get into a bowl game and not end our season on the couch. So that was a funny thing, a little bit of irony there. Uh, but Chandler comes in. Uh, he has his first start at Florida State. Obviously, you saw how that went. Um, you never want to have, you never well, have your spot. first game back in Tallahassee right. that's, that's uh, against, against one of the nation's best defenses. But right. he really did handle himself well now. The offensive line was Swiss cheese for the better part of the first half, and he got beat up pretty good, which was scary to us because, again, we have a true freshman as the backup. Uh, he plays well in the second half. The Cajuns actually held their own in the second half, uh, in large part to, to Chandler's play. And, you know, we progressed down the season uh, into the, uh, the Independence Bowl where he actually played well enough to win, Dave. I mean, he gave us every opportunity. I thought he was elusive. I thought he made good decisions. He was quick with the football. His reads were very crisp. However, we just couldn't hold it together. I thought we got a little bit conservative on offense toward the end of that game. But he gave us a chance to win. And I'll tell you now, if he is the starter going into 2023, I don't think that there's any reason to doubt that we can't have success with Chandler Fields at quarterback. At, after all, he did win the job coming out of 22 camp. So this would be my point of view from, you know, sort of an outsider, right? I'm not there anymore, uh, at least not yet. Um so I, I don't blame Mike Desimo from going for Chandler Fields, right? So there couldn't have been that big a delineation between Chandler and Ben to where this kid was recruited and he'd been sitting the bench and he'd been waiting. So we're going to give him a shot to where, all right, Ben may be a little bit better, but not good enough to make him the starter. If there was a wide gap, Ben would have started. Is my no question. Okay. There's no question about it. And you got to think about who's the quarterback or the head coach of the football team. He's a guy that likes to use his legs. The mobility was important to Mike when he was a player. It was probably his best asset. So Chandler gave you a little bit more of that. Ben Woolridge, West Coast quarterback, came from a prolific passing offense at Fresno State. He's going to spread the field. And we had so many options at wide receiver. It almost felt like he was forced to try it. You know, you know if that makes any sense. Chandler, by all means, is not uh, a quarterback that can't make the throws because he certainly can. He showed you that at the end of the season when he was right. healthy. However, Ben kind of gave you a few more options with the tools that we had at our disposal at the time. Yeah, up against Troy and then, you know, almost pulled out the South Alabama game coming from way behind. We're talking with Josh Jagno uh, from uh, Rage and Review. It is locked on Sunbelt, your team every day. All right. Um, not only did they not hold on, I'm not sure if it was Chandler Fields' fault because a couple of fumbles in that Independence Bowl, but didn't Chris come in the Independence Bowl and he started moving the ball a little bit? Zion came in and that the his first uh, series was so effective, they had no idea what was coming. Lots of crossers. Uh, 
a lot of action to the tight end, which of course you know I love. And then again, his right. his ability to run. I mean, the guy's a, he's a legit four or five threat. He mm. can run. He's very very active uh, in the backfield. He's kind of shades of Levi Lewis. You know, he can make people miss and extend plays. The only thing is, when the lights are on, it's a completely different ball game, as you know. I think that with the uh, the surprise that he that he added to the football game because there was no tape on him, there were, there were nobody to, to study film on the guy. I thought that he just kind of caught him on their heels. After that, I think Houston made some adjustments, and, and we're, yeah, they were a little bit more effective defensively. What killed us was the, the fumbles. You know, the I fumbles, mean, you yeah. mentioned it, and right. I know this is a quarterback segment, but the fumbles really did us in. Our, our in defense game, was on yes. the football field way too long in that game. So, uh, Zeon Chris, I'm telling you now, he will get snaps regardless of what happens this coming season. He is an electrifying football player. I think he's going to become a household name around the Sun Belt uh, sooner rather than later. But a week into spring ball, he's getting – is he getting all the snaps? Because no Ben Wooldridge, right? He's out with a knee injury, and now Chandler Fields is banged up again. So well, when I found out I was going to come and, and talk to you this evening, I reached out to some guys in the uh, on the coaching staff that would know. Oh. He is – he being Zeon is taking first and second team reps. <laughs> he's taking both reps. And then you've got Lance Lejeune, and some people will remember he was the number two quarterback recruit in the entire country, went to Maryland, ended up finding his way back to Louisiana as at first a quarterback, now an athlete, and you saw him on the field as a uh, wide receiver this past year. The idea here, and I got permission to say this, so this is not anything that's uh, too controversial, we're going to use him in uh, some Wildcat sets. So he's working with the threes. He's also getting some mixes in. Lance Lejeune. Okay, okay. All right. So look to see him in some Wildcat packages, and maybe they might even get a little bit more creative. He's a wide receiver. Sometimes they'll, you know, maybe try to get him out there and throw a pass or two. He's very athletic, uh, 6'2", about 215, big guy, imposing guy. Uh, He has quarterback skills, obviously, number two recruit coming out of high school quarterback-wise. So that's what's going on in Lafayette right now. You got Zeon taking the ones and twos. Mm-hmm. You got Lejean in there a little bit. And then you also got Mike Desermo throwing some passes, if you saw that oh. on the uh, on the internet. So you never know. Maybe he's got an eligibility year that we didn't know. Maybe we'll right, see him on right. the field. He, get, he gets the COVID year, and he gets another chance to come back. All right, let's take a time out. We'll be back more with the Raging Reviews. Josh Yagno. we'll talk to him about the expectations for the Cajuns last year uh, in 2022, and then now coming up in 2023. But first, let me tell you about FanDuel. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything, from the money line to point scores and three strain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss out on your chance for a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, more with Josh Agno from Rage and Review. Third segment, by the way, will be on the basketball matchup, the Raging Cajuns and the Vols. But now let's get back to Raging Cajuns football expectations, what they were in 2022 post Billy Napier and now in 2023 with Mike Desimo heading into his second season as the head coach of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We're talking with Josh uh, Jagno from uh, Raging Review. All right, so let's recap last year uh, because obviously expectations were high, although it was a new coach and a lot of talent and 
for any criticism that I gave Levi Lewis, uh, and there wasn't a whole lot, but there was some, we found out that he was a really good college quarterback, right? A really good Sunbelt uh, college quarterback that didn't really take it to the next level as much as I would have liked to see him. But boy, did he improve exponentially on the deep ball. Just ask, ask Marshall in the New Orleans Bowl. Boom, boom, boom. And it, Marshall was winning, and then they weren't. Um, so, but I guess I'm wondering, because I got asked, you know, I got asked by a national member of the media, you know, what's going on? I'm like, well, they lost a lot of talent. They lost a lot of coaching staff. And they're not exactly getting throttled, right? They're not getting embarrassed. They're not losing by four scores. So I'm not sure that it's too much other than, you know, the talent turned over and all of the talent was there and they had a one loss season. And that one loss was to the Texas Longhorns to open up the season. Other than that, they I wouldn't say they rolled, but they did go what 13 and one in a, in a magical raging Cajun season. So what were you expecting last year? And then we're going to transfer right to that. What are you expecting uh, this season? Because all of a sudden you got the defending Sunbelt champs in Troy. I'm going to believe that South Alabama is going to be picked to win the division. Will Hall will be in his third year at Southern Miss. Uh, Texas State's going to be a lot of fun because they're going to put up a lot of points. What uh, what are your expect? What were your expectations last year? And then what are you going to be expecting this season? Lots of lots of comment on there with regard to Levi Lewis. I don't think many, and you can put me in that number, appreciated how much of a field general that guy was yeah, and how many I'm, things I'm he did as well yep. prior to the snap. That was such a big thing. And, and if you watch the Cajuns a little bit this year, we struggled pre-snap and we struggled at the line of scrimmage with checks and we so many uh, false start, start penalties. It, it was a little bit of a mess. It really shined a light on how good, just how good Levi Lewis was pre-snap. And I think that that's something we should all sit back and kind of reflect on because we missed that part of it. Um, so I'll be the first to admit that. Second thing is, you know, the reason why I'm going to ride with Mike until he gives me a reason not to believe in him is because people have no idea what this guy walked into. We had eligibility issues that weren't disclosed by the previous staff. We had 45 players that we had to replace after Billy Napier walked out the door. Mm. We had a cluster injury situation on the offensive line right before fall camp started. We had guys – well, actually, that's not true. We actually had some offensive problems, uh, offensive line problems in the spring. So the, the fall kind of served as spring for some of our younger guys – and some of those guys never really got healthy throughout the course of the year. So it really threw things in, you know, out of whack, uh, Dave. And, and I don't think people understand how important the offensive line is. That even still in 2023, when you have all no. this analyst, you know, you, you can go look at anything on the Internet and find out how important these roles are. The offensive line is still the staple of the football team. If you're going to have any amount of sustained success, you got to be able to control the line of scrimmage one way or the other. We couldn't do it consistently. Now we had moments. Couldn't do it consistently. That was a big problem. Yes, so did, okay, so quickly, so did your expectations know how banged up the team was and how much replacement? So I know you I know you expect a lot, but you were you among the people in reality? Like, all right, this is not gonna go as much as we want it to, not gonna be as good as we as much as we want it to be because we are banged up and I don't like using that as an excuse, but that's reality, right? There are excuses and reasons. That's a reason. Well, the answer is yes and no, because at four years of Billy Napier, you get spoiled. It was right. such it was such a rock solid uh, lineup. Up and that roster was built the right way from day one. It took a year and a half for everybody to start to understand that their responsibilities were their responsibilities that to perfect their craft. But everybody got it, and it they were such a disciplined team, and they worked so hard, and they had everything down to a science and the detail. It was unbelievable. So you kind of you forgot that some of these guys are young, and they yeah they may have contributed, but a lot of these guys weren't the guy when the lights were on. They weren't relied upon until 
your Farad Gardner's left and your Chauncey Manax left and all these big-time playmakers that really made the team tick in big moments, stepped up in big games. You got a ton of talent behind them, but they just never had to be the guy. So that was something that I think was underestimated by myself and, and several of, of Cajun fans. I think what, where it really went off the rails is you lose to Rice and you lose, you lose to ULM. Those are two things that in a million years nobody could have expected. And the games weren't blowouts. Yes, we actually got off to a great start in both of those games. The Rice game kind of got away from them in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. But the and ULM game was back and forth the whole way. Yeah. It was. There were a couple of big plays in that game. We had a big call back. Uh, I think it was a holding call that we ran back for a touchdown that came back. Completely flipped the, the entire momentum of that football game. And then it just felt like the defense was on the field too long again. And I know it's ULM, but at the end of the day, they're a D1 football team. You can't walk in there, sleepwalk through the game, leave your defense on the field for 42 minutes, and expect to walk out of there with a win. Not you know, against Chandler Rogers. He's good. Against, he was a good. He was a much better player than a lot of people realize. Yes. And there were so many things in that ULM game that just continued to put us behind the eight ball. We never could recover from it. I chalked that up to a lot of guys learning how to be leaders on the team. I really thought that we lacked a leadership to that point in the season. Now, I think we learned from it, and I think we moved on. Uh, however, you, the ULM game was a big wake-up call to a lot of people. Yeah, we had the talent on defense. Yeah, we had some skill position talent. But, man, we were thin. Uh, we were thin with regard to experience and just guys being on the field and being the guy. Uh, so my expectations, that, to answer your question, my expectations going into the last season, we all thought that 8-4 and four may have been a disappointment. And then this was prior to the cluster injuries on the offensive line. It was prior to a lot of things that we didn't know about. Uh, the injuries at quarterback and all these different things. Chris Smith was banged up the entire season for the most part. Um, and so many different things kind of transpired. I let go of the expectations for a while because it really slapped you in the face that we're, we're again, I'll say it again because this is a number that hasn't been said enough. 45 players were replaced the day that Billy, Billy Napier walked out the door. That's half of a, of a roster. Yep. And, and, and you can say whatever you want, as much talent as this team had, you still got to replace that. You know, you go from playing two and three different rotations on the defensive line to relying on true freshmen to make big-time plays in big-time games. That, that matters, you know? Uh, you, you can't expect these guys to have a, an unlimited motor, and that happened to us. Offensive line, the same way. A lot of young guys had to walk in and play a lot of snaps. I kind of let go of my expectations after the ULM game. It is what it is. Uh, I hope that's not a cop-out answer. At that no. point, I realized no. that this is, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore type situation. And again... We were still learning week by week, little morsels here and there, what Mike was dealing with, what the coaching staff was dealing with. Don't forget we had to replace the entire coaching staff as well. So instead of recruiting players, we were filling GA roles and player personnel roles and academic support staff. I mean, Dave, we lost our videographer to Florida. Right, right. So it, from, the, from the very bottom or to the top of the organization, there was massive turnover my expectations quickly changed after about four games into that season. Now going into 2023, quickly just to know. defend just to defend the said videographer. The said videographer was at the semis of the Sun Belt Conference basketball tournament. Where were you? Just letting you know. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It, look, he's a, he's a loyal, he's a loyal guy. I appreciate him very much. And I hated to lose him. He was a talented guy. Uh Fact of the matter is we, we use that point to illustrate just how much change happened in sure. this organization throughout the course of, I don't know, nine months. You know, big, big changes across 
across all platforms. But going back to expectations, 2023, you know, who knows? Who's your starting quarterback? We're doing this all over again. Who's your starting right. quarterback? We lost several wide receivers to the portal. We lost a couple of guys in the defensive backfield. Uh, one, one, uh, one of our best defensive linemen, Dalvin Hutchinson, decided, hmm, done with football. So he was going to be relied upon to be one of the stoppers in the middle. There's so many new things that are coming in 2023. I'm going to hold off on expectation until the fall camp, at least. Um, okay. But I would expect, I'll, I'll tell you this, the West is good. It's all over. It, overnight, the West is really good. Really like you good. mentioned. Like yeah. you mentioned, Troy, South. I mean, Texas State's going to be better. I think they're going to take a step forward with their new leadership in place. Yeah. Louisiana's got to get back on the horse, and we got to do it quickly because this league is going to be able to punch you in the mouth. And we didn't mention USM, or, or you did, I didn't. Will Hall's got something rolling over there. Um, we got to do it quickly. We got to do it quickly because you can see a scenario that we're fighting with ULM for the bottom if we don't get back to what we know how to do, and that's when football games, and we do it on the offensive line and play in stellar defense. We got to do it. Let's take one more time out. We'll be right back with Josh Agno from Ragin Review. We'll talk about do the Ragin Cajuns have a shot at taking down the Tennessee Volunteers on Thursday, a late night game, 940 Eastern time, 840 Central time. That's when it's scheduled. It won't be any earlier than that. Good chance it'll be later uh, than that. But again, a special thanks to everybody who has uh, picked up on the podcast. You can just see the numbers growing almost at 100 subscribers. I'm really thrilled about that. We've almost doubled the amount of subscribers we've had in the last month, and that's all. That's because of you guys. So thanks very much. Uh, we will be getting more into baseball, uh, more into spring football. South Alabama, still waiting for that head coach to hop on, is uh, is starting spring football here in uh, later this week, actually. So I think they're starting on on the 17th. Is that St. Patrick's Day? So I think they're starting on St. Patrick's Day. So we'll uh, we'll have some more local flavor with that as well. But we will get into more spring football discussions. I want to thank Josh Jagno from Raging Review, uh, Raging Review for doing that with the Raging Cajuns. Uh, but now let's talk about the matchup. It is the Raging Cajuns and the Tennessee Volunteers Thursday night in the NCAA tournament. Right, we're talking with Josh Jagno from a Raging Review. All right, a lot about football. Let's talk a little basketball. The Raging Cajuns, uh, the aforementioned Sun Belt champions, taking down South Alabama in Pensacola a couple of weeks ago. They needed that rest. Uh, due to Greg Williams being banged up, they are taking on uh, the Tennessee Volunteers in Orlando. Any update on Greg Williams uh, a couple of days before the game? Have sourced that as well, and he will play Thursday. He will suit up. He got stepped on in the Texas State game. It wasn't all that big of a deal. They wanted to be uh, cautious. And then Jalen Dalcor stepped into the role and was absolutely fantastic in the second half of that right. uh, championship game. So right. I think it was a little bit of both. Uh, I, I actually think that the extra rest is good for Greg. So we need his shooting. We need his athletic ability. Uh, but all signs point to him playing on Thursday uh, per team team sources. I'll just say that. And if and if you got a bad wheel, Isaiah Moore is not an easy character to, to cover. So, uh, all right. So let's talk about this basketball game uh, because, you know, for about a few days, it appeared that Tennessee was going to be the team. And then I think Sunday morning, some people said that Duke was going to be the team. And I don't want to play Duke because they seem to be on a roll. Tennessee's banged up. But uh, usually when you get a team like Tennessee and they slow it down and they play really good defense, they're the ones who dictate uh, pace. Cajuns are going to want to get it up and down the court. Are they going to be able to score against that uh, stingy Tennessee Vols uh, defense? You know, if this game is in the in the mid-60s to seven, or low 70s, the Raging Cajuns have a shot to knock off the Vols. I really believe that. 
I agree. And if you look at some of their baffling losses, they struggled to put the ball in the basket for large stretches in the game. I think the question is the physicality. How you talked about dictating pace. I know that Tennessee is going to want to be physical with the Cajuns, especially Jordan Brown. How much, are the, how much are these officials in this tournament going to let them play and push them around? Because we saw a little bit of that against South Alabama in the final. I thought that was one of the more physical games that Louisiana was involved in this season. Uh, and actually, the home game that you guys came and, uh, and played us at the end of the season was also pretty physical in the paint. Um, I, I don't know how we respond to that. I know that Jordan Brown's going to have to play a lot of minutes in order for us to have any chance to win. Uh, well, he would, could be – I mean, so. he's going to be the best player on the court. I believe. I think if so, he's too. the best player on the court, they got a shot. I mean, usually that's the team who wins, but not necessarily in this case. Um, but if he had – he can't be six for 16 like he was against South, uh, and hopefully the guys have that, you know, kind of – he needs to have a big ball game. Last time they, the Cajuns were in the tournament, they had a shot against Creighton, but Sean Long, who was playing really well, got into foul trouble, and that was the end of that. And I was getting ready to mention that. If he gets in foul trouble, we're going to have a – we're going to have an issue – I will tell you this. I thought it was interesting. You mentioned him going six for 16. He, he looked to pass a lot in that game. And one thing that developed over the course of the season was Jordan Brown and uh, Tyrone Lewis's uh, ability to find each other in the paint. They, they developed a really nice rapport. And you saw Jordan having, you know, elevated uh, uh, passing uh, assist numbers. I'm sorry, I lost train of thought. He had elevated assist numbers, and that was in large part because Lewis is very active in the paint. He moves around, and Jordan Brown can find him, especially because of his size. He can match up well with a three and a four. He's more athletic than most of your fours, and he's bigger than most of your threes. So depending on how Tennessee decides to defend the Cajuns, I fully expect him to double and triple team Jordan Brown at times. And also, I will say against South Alabama in the championship game, we had an uncharacteristic, uh, uncharacteristically poor shooting night from the field uh, with regard to Kentrell Garnett, who's a 42% three-point shooter. I think he made one for four. Uh, yeah, and he of didn't course, shoot it. yeah, he didn't shoot it very much, but I think they much. were 8 out of 17 from 3. They shot it. Del Delcourt and, you know, folks saved the day. Um, sure. And Jordan sure. Brown, all of a sudden, maybe more than I thought, he expanded his game because he turned into a jump shooter. I'm not sure he had too many layups. He was making his 15-foot jumpers. He did step out quite a few times, which, by the way, I wasn't thrilled with the shot, the shot selection because we were getting uh, Samuel in foul trouble. However, he made the shots. He did. The point, yeah. point I'm trying to make is, is that there's going to be space on the floor with the doubles and the triples, and they'll come sporadically. And I know that they're going to try to press. I know they're going to play a little man. I'm interested to see how they, they adjust to if Jordan Brown's able to find the open cutter, slasher, shooter, whatever. Do they go to a zone? If they do, can we shoot it? If we can shoot it with the zone, we have every opportunity to win this basketball game. My issue is, how is the physicality of the volunteers going to affect the Cajuns? And you got to look at Jordan Brown. He's played over 1,000 minutes this season. He's going to have to play 37, 30, 38 minutes for us to have a, an opportunity to win the game. Does he wear down? Does he get in foul trouble? These are the questions that I'm going to be looking for. Yeah. And, of course, the others have to step up. Any thoughts on it's a 940 Eastern time game? That That's a big question for Bob Marlin. I mean – I was told at that Sunbelt uh, championship game, they didn't like playing at 8 o'clock local time against South Alabama. Uh, that's a 940 game if it's on time. If it's on time, exactly right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, no. first of all, if I'm an athlete, I can't wait to play. And I'm going to sit here in this, this arena or wherever they sit around before the games, and I got to wait until 940. I mean, first of all, you're off center because you're an hour, after, or hour before uh, you're, because you're from Central. Right. And I don't know if they've left yet. Hopefully they have, and they're starting to kind of acclimate to that. But it's something that you got to consider. I mean, anything is possible. I, I just, I'm, I'm very excited. I think that the matchup 
is good for the Cajuns. Of course, so of course, Zach, uh, how do you say it? It's Ziegler's the last name. I can't, I don't know the first name. Z- Zakai? Zakai? Zakai, I think Ziegler? it's Zakai Ziegler. Yeah, he's out with a knee injury. Yeah. And Naismith, uh, all defensive player of the year yeah. candidate is out. I think that, I mean, that really helps our chances because Themis Falks, he is who he is, but his number one ability to affect the game is just by controlling the offense, not turning the basketball over and making free throws. If he's able to do that, you know, if he's not having to be harassed by somebody all game long, he'll be able to be himself. If somebody's, you know, if they put a guy that can press him and throw him off, uh, that changes everything we do on offense. He is a linchpin. You got to keep that in mind. Josh Agno from Rage and Review. What's coming up on the podcast? Well, uh, first of all, we're going to try to get this win against Tennessee and hopefully do a, a pretty lively post-game victory oh. podcast. Once we, That's become one of our favorites. Uh, the post-game Sun podcasts are fun. Oh, <laughs> we call it Rage and Review After Dark, yes. Uh, so we have fun doing that after that. On Sundays, we do a, ba- a baseball weekly wrap-up, and we talk baseball for all the stitch heads out there. So if you're interested at all, give us a shout. We're, uh, we're, we do live podcasts on StreamYard, and we do the, uh, the Twitter spaces, and that's all fun for fans. So... Appreciate you letting me say that. Appreciate it, Josh Jagno from Rage and Review, hopping on Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. Uh, I got a feeling we may be talking again soon. I'll, all right. I appreciate your time, Josh. Thank you so much. All right, Dave. All the best. Hope to hear from you soon.